Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. Good morning to you all. It's wonderful to see our kids joining with us and some of our young people joining with us in our service because of course it is school holidays. And it's fantastic to see families sitting together. It is also so good for me to be back after I took a team of 14 people to Norseman uh, last week. We had a wonderful time of fellowship and getting to know one another and encouraging one another and forging friendships. And also listening to a lot of stories from indigenous leaders and non-indigenous leaders uh, throughout that trip. And I'm sure that you'll be able to hear uh, about that trip in due course, as Simon mentioned. But nevertheless, thank you so much for your prayer. We were all safe and we came back in one piece. Such a long drive. I never realized WA is so big. My goodness, it just goes on and on and on. And it's just, I can't believe it. It It is just massive. But anyway, it was good. Now, I am confident that many of you would agree with me that in the last two years in particular, they have been very, very challenging for humanity. On the 4th of August last year, for example, one of the world's biggest ever non-nuclear explosions destroyed the city of Beirut in Lebanon and devastated much of the city. On the 15th of August this year, the Taliban fighters entered the capital city of Kabul, resulting in the Afghan president fleeing the country and the Afghan government to collapse. Later that day, the Taliban announced they had entered the presidential palace, have taken control of the government, and thousands and thousands of people were fleeing to the airport because they want to get out of their country. And that was only a few weeks ago. As of the 14th of January last year, 18.626 million hectares of Australian landscape has been devastated by bushfires all across different states. The last 18 months, we have seen mass graves because of COVID-19 in India, Indonesia, Brazil, and other parts of the world We have seen freezer trucks in Europe and in New York just full of dead bodies. The destruction became apparent even as of late. The floods in Germany, for example, and Belgium. And these and other events captured the world's attention in the last two years, especially our media. They just love negative news. But let me tell you, In the midst of all this chaos, there is actually a lot of stories of hope and triumph and victory that are not reported. Amen? We don't hear them much in the media. What they bombard us are all just negative news. And so, obviously, the response and the feeling we get is this sense of feeling overwhelmed and hopeless with what is going on in our world. World leaders, scientists, health experts, economists, business people, business leaders are continually grappling with the many challenges that are confronting our world today. 
It seems like the situation are becoming hopeless and many people are discouraged and confused. When we consider the various circumstances that we may find ourselves in, feeling hopeless has its merit. It is a valid human emotion and is a natural response to these things that we have seen and experienced. You have probably been beginning to ask yourself the question, what is going on, Lord? When is this going to end? How much longer do we have to endure? Or do we even have the strength to carry on? Many people are no longer optimistic about the future. But let me tell you this morning, as followers of Jesus, we have a more compelling reason to be hopeful. You cannot be optimistic if you have a misty optic. Do you like that statement? You cannot be optimistic if you have a misty optic. We need to look at what is going on around us with a different lens. We need to look at the situations around us from a different perspective. We need to look at it through the lens of uh, the Bible or the Word of God and through the lens of the gospel. Why? Because biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised in his word and his strength is found in his faithfulness. Amen? So our text this morning is found in Genesis 8 verses 1 to 12. But I would like to read just a few preceding verses in chapter 7 where it says, Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of heaven had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the, troop, the, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could, fi could find nowhere to perch because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited again seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time, it did not return to him. What a beautiful story. I know that for many of you who grew up in Sunday school, is very familiar with the story of Noah and the flood. We even have a song 
about it. Shall we sing it? No, not really. And for our kids at MPK, I'm sure they have heard the story of the flood. But we must not forget that this story is actually part of a larger story in the book of Genesis. After Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil recorded in Genesis 3, things began to spiral down. Humanity multiplied and violence reigned. Cain killed uh, his brother Abel and one of Cain's descendants, Lamech, became a man renowned for violence, boasting his exploits in Genesis 4. Sin and evil were only intensifying. Now how can a holy God respond to the state of humanity? At this stage, just before the story of the floods begins, we learn that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Can you imagine that? Only evil all the time. This was really a byproduct of the fall in Genesis 3. And it grieved God's heart. It grieved his heart deeply. And Genesis describes the flood as the decreation of the world. The flood was the decreation of the world. The earth sinks back into the chaotic waters. When the rain filled the earth and flood was all over the earth and covered the whole earth. In the ark, God carries Noah's family through the flood, unharmed, to start afresh in a world returning to innocence, in a world returning to how God intended it to be. And scholars call it as the recreation of the world, recreation of the earth. The destruction of the flood was the decreation of the earth, and the the water receding and things coming back to life was the recreation of the world. In fact, it is very interesting to see that the parallel between Genesis 1 and Genesis 8 is that the same mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve was exactly the same mandate or command that he gave to Noah and his family. Multiply. Fill the earth. Increase in number. Why? Because God wanted to recreate What has been damaged by sin? What has been destroyed by sin? You see, in the Bible, context means everything. Genesis firmly anchors the meaning of the flood in the context of God's intervention to stop humanity's wickedness. It wasn't a judgment or it wasn't like out of vengeance, but it was basically out of love. That God did that. Why? Because he's a holy and just God. His intention is that man would flourish on this earth that he created. But because of sin, we basically spiral down into wickedness and evil. But Genesis 8 says, but God remembered. God remembered and this gives us hope. This gives us hope. So this morning I would like to share with you three important aspects of this hope. The first is that the hope that God offers leads to salvation. The hope that God offers leads to salvation. In the midst of the evil intent of the human heart, 
the chaos and the violence that dominated the earth, Noah, a righteous and blameless man among people of his time, who walked faithfully with God, captured God's attention. Of all the people on earth, Noah and his family were spared and were saved from the devastation of the flood. One might say, why Noah of all people? Why Noah of all people? There will be other people there that existed at that time. But why Noah of all people? Well, the Bible describes Noah as a righteous, blameless, and faithful man. Righteousness, living a blameless life, and faithfulness to God honors God. Amen? Verse 1 of chapter 8 says, but God remembered. You see, the word remembered here is used in a sense that God taking appropriate personal action towards someone. And in this case, Noah and his family. He wanted to do something on the earth. He wanted to fulfill his plan and purpose. Why? Because he is the covenant God and he's about to act and do something for this world. And he always wants to pursue what it is that he planned to do. Noah will be the beginning of a new humanity. This was a massive indicator of God's redemptive plan for humanity. If God's intention was to completely annihilate the people and the earth that he created, then he will not spare Noah and his family. He would wipe out everything and start afresh again. But because Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a blameless man. Noah was a faithful man. That really captured God's attention and God's heart. Why? Because he himself is a holy God. He himself is a righteous God. He himself is a blameless God. If you recall a few months back, we've heard a testimony on this stage and on this platform from two people from Shalom House. Remember that? At the 10.30, there was a guy that shared his testimony and then a few weeks later, a lady shared her, her testimony in front of us. And both have said that they have tried everything. They have reached the very bottom of the pit. A woman falling victim to domestic violence in the hands of an evil man. Both have said they have nowhere else to go or run to. Then they met Jesus. And they were saved. And their lives were transformed. And on this stage, we saw and heard a tangible proof of the transforming power of God through Jesus Christ that brings salvation. Just as God brought salvation to Noah and his family, in Jesus, God brings us salvation back to himself. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, our salvation is found. You might say to yourself, I can never be as righteous, blameless, or as faithful as Noah. Well, there is good news for all of us. Because Romans 3.22 says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You do not have to earn it or work for it because it is a gift from God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. This is our greatest hope. And it can only be found in Jesus. The hope that God offers leads to salvation. The second aspect is that the hope that God offers enables us to endure. Endure. 
verses 1 to 5 of our text. Notice how the repetitious literary pattern highlights the dropping water level. In verse 1 of chapter 8, it says, the water subsided. And then it continued on reading, the water receded steadily from the earth. And the water decreased. And the water decreased steadily. You can almost feel the the water coming down uh, bit by bit as it kind of recedes and gets absorbed through the ground. Also notice that here in this example and in this account, God uses a gradual natural activity. He did not just kind of like blow and then the the water just kind of disappeared straight away. No, God used natural activity and natural phenomenon. He could have done it instantly, but he did it progressively. God used natural means, not exclusively, but more often than not to accomplish his will. Let me give you a few examples. In Egypt, for example, the ten plagues, God used natural things that we know and see. What about the strong wind that dried out the bottom of the Red Sea so that the Israelites can cross? What about quails, birds of the air to feed the Israelites in the middle of the desert? God is able earthly things to accomplish his will and purpose for our lives. Usually, these events are natural and involves timing, it involves intensity, it involves, you know, your locality depending on the situation. But God uses things on earth. Why? Because he is a sovereign God and the physical realm is his and he can use it. To accomplish his purpose. As for Noah, it took about 75 years to, to finish the ark. Scholars have done the calculation, even though the Bible says it took 120 years, but scholars have actually explained that the 120 years was a countdown to the flood rather than the exact length of building the ark. And so they did the calculations and it worked out around, it took 75 years for Noah and his family to build the ark. Regardless of how long it took, we can all agree that it took a very long time. Amen? Amen. The reason is to give humanity time to repent of their sin. You see, during the time of cruising across this vast body of water for Noah and his family. This was a time of wait and see what God is going to do. It was a time of wait and see what is next for us and our family. They were waiting. And I'm sure that they were enduring. And yet in the midst of waiting in the ark, there were plenty of things that they have to do. Such as feeding all the animals, killing the ca- sorry, cleaning the cages and the troughs and sweeping and collecting manure and so on. It was not definitely like carnival cruising in the Pacific. It wasn't like that. They, there was something for them to do even inside the ark during the time of waiting. And when the rain stopped and the water began to decrease after 40 days... Noah waited seven more days. And then another seven more days that he waited. You see, the word waited in this particular text actually means hope. The word waited, actually Noah was hoping or Noah is hoping for something else to come and happen in his life. It means hope. 
Noah was not in a hurry to get out of the ark, but rather waited for the right time. In fact, it was the Lord that called out Noah and said, open the ark, get out. All the animals, release them. You and your family come out. And in my reading, I've discovered that in the process of waiting, Noah sent two birds. One was a raven and the second bird was a dove. The dove he sent twice, the raven he sent once. And as I was doing a little bit of research about this, what is the significance of this? Why quantify that in the Bible? Scholars have uh, agreed that ravens actually feed on dead carcasses. So you can imagine that during the flood, there will be plenty of dead animals just floating on the surface of the water. And because ravens love to do that, they love it. They feed on dead animals. You can see that as you go for a long drive. It's kind of like, what's going on? Oh, there's a dead kangaroo, there's always a raven or a crow. Because they feed on dead animals. But the difference with the dove is this. They don't. The doves love to eat grain, wheat, barley, vegetables, fruits. That's what they want to eat. And so when the dove starts to fly and could not see any of this, went, went back to the ark. Second time, came back with a freshly plucked olive leaf. And as I was reflecting about this, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, that in the process of waiting and in the, in, the, in the state of waiting, we actually have a choice to make whether we would choose to feed on dead carcasses that the world has to offer us, that the world has on offer in front of us. We can choose to eat dead carcasses and never go back to the real purpose of God or we can choose to eat the fresh produce that God promised. We can choose to eat the good things, the fresh produce that the Lord is willing to spread before us in our time of waiting. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, the term deferred in this text actually means put off or drag out or drawn out in a long process, lengthy process. Hope deferred can look many things for, for many people. A prayer of salvation, for example, for a loved one that just continues to be unanswered year after year. An agonizing job search filled with job interviews and rejections. A long-term battle with cancer, for example, or a heartbreaking news of a miscarriage. That can really crush your heart. As we eagerly hope for something important and it keeps being postponed or drawn out or dragged out, the longing we feel can make our hearts sick. That's what King Solomon said. It causes us to despair and spiral down into affliction. The Good News translation renders this verse like this, that when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. Hope deferred can lead to depression or anxiety or actual physical sickness when we wait for a good thing for so long and that desire and expectation turn into hopelessness very soon. We can become spiritually dried up, vulnerable from the attacks of the enemy. But the second part of this text in Proverbs 13, 12 really gives us a sense of hope. Where it said, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
You see, the tree of life symbolizes the renewal of life. When our hopes and desires are fulfilled in Christ, when our hopes and desires are fulfilled in God, we are refreshed. When our prayers are answered, we are encouraged. When we obtain the good thing that we desire and prayed for, we undergo this process of renewal and reviving of the soul. But that can only happen if we stay faithful to the Lord. That can only happen if we choose to walk with the Lord. Amen? Dashed hope sickens the heart. The higher the expectation, the greater the frustration. But we need to put our hope in God. Why? Waiting is an opportunity to trust God and allow him to work in our hearts, strengthen our character. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. One of the indigenous leaders that we met on our final night in Norseman was a guy named Les Schultz. What he shared that night was really encouraging. He was telling us about the good old days of the church in Norseman, where the church was full from front to the back with indigenous and non-indigenous people in the church. Now there's only two churches left, one Catholic and one Church of Christ. And their building has been infested by white ants that they can no longer meet inside because it is unsafe for them to meet. So they meet outside under a tree, light a fire, and sit around the tree, around the fire. And then COVID hit. And then they can no longer kind of meet because some of them are are not really kind of have this, you know, strong immune system or whatever. And so they choose to stay home. And what the pastor does is go to these houses, bring communion, pray with people. And that's how the church has been going. And Les was saying, and he considers and describes himself really as the remnant plus a few others who are still faithful in what they believe. And they are hoping and waiting for revival to come. And yet while waiting, they're not just kind of passive waiting and say, hey, we want churches to come and help us. Oh, we want God to come and cause revival in our meeting. No, while in the process of waiting, there's some encouraging thing that they're doing. They have actually initiated, Les and his brother and a few people, only very few, a handful, not even five, have initiated, uh, devised a a rule in the community where they call it the Norseman Voluntary Alcohol Agreement. They wanted to do something in their community. So a self-imposed rule and limitations on drinking and alcohol, alcohol consumption. And almost immediately when they implemented that, Alcohol-related hospital admission has reduced by 60%. Domestic violence reduced by 15%. Assaults fell by 17%. What they are doing is not passive waiting on the Lord to do something. Instead, they themselves were willing to be used by the Lord to bring about the much-needed change in their community with regards to alcohol consumption. And the entire community got on board. You know, sometimes when we see difficult circumstances, when we are confronted with difficult things and challenges in our lives, one of the things that is a common response for people is to retreat and be passive. And yet we know for a fact 
that God is sovereign and he can use you if you are willing. See, these people, they're not passive waiting for something to come. They choose to do something for their community. The team actually have seen this, this rule uh, posted on the pub. And we took photos of it. It was like, oh my goodness. And we spoke to the, to the pub owner. I was like, are you losing business? He goes, oh, just a little bit, but it's for the good of the community. And they all got on board. You see, whatever challenge you are facing today, my encouragement to you is that find your strength in the promises of God so that you can endure whatever it is that you are facing right now. The third aspect is that hope that God offers secures our destiny. Wow. When the ark finally landed on the mountains of Ararat, God commanded Noah, come out, you and your family. And God gave this command to Noah to multiply and increase. And there was this beautiful recreation of the earth. The destiny of Noah and his family was secure under the protection and the provision of God. They were kept safe. Their destiny was secure. They're going to start all over again. Can you imagine that kind of feeling? Coming out of the ark and you're the only people on the planet. And you go, what a privilege is this? There's nothing more secure than that. Everyone have died except me and my family. And you see, after experiencing this salvation that God gave and the security that Noah had in his family, it is telling the very first response of Noah was to build an altar to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. The very first thing that he did was one of worship and thanksgiving. One of worship and thanksgiving. And then it followed that God gave this covenant to Noah and made a promise and said, never again will I flood the earth with water and cover the earth with water. Never again will I punish, never again. And he made this covenant with Noah. In order to assure Noah that he loves people, that he is just and that, that his heart is for the mankind is maybe evil, but this is my heart. And he said, never again will I do that. And God sealed this promise with a rainbow. And we know for a fact that later on, people spiraled down again in wickedness and God gave another covenant to Moses. And people failed. But you see, when the fullness of time came, the final new covenant that God made with you and me is the new covenant in Jesus. The new covenant in Jesus Christ. Mankind will be made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And this covenant was completed and sealed when Jesus rose from the dead. Without the resurrection of Jesus, the Christian faith is completely useless. We would be believing and serving a dead savior. Other religious leaders have died actually, and their tomb still stands today. But we have an empty tomb, and we believe and serve a risen savior. And this truth secures our destiny in the eternal plan of God. We just sang it. No one can pluck us out of his hand. 
Our destiny is secure in the Lord. You know, sometimes when we look at the situations of the world, let's just find hope in the fact that when Jesus comes and when the kingdom comes, he will make all things new and that we will be with him forever. Sometimes we think that we are eternal beings. We are not. Even Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead died again. Amen? Never think that we are eternal beings. No, God has a greater purpose for our lives. But while we are still here, let's seek out and find out what it is, Lord, that you want me to do. How can I serve you faithfully, Lord, now that my destiny is secure? How can I, how can I serve you with my life? What can I do, Lord? Don't be a passive, uh, weighty kind of person. No, be active. What did uh, uh, Paul say? You know, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, sometimes we might need to ask ourselves the question, what am I really laboring for? Will it really matter in eternity? No. And my challenge to all of us this morning is this, that if you're a bit unsure of your destiny, make sure before you leave this building, that you settle that with God. And my ch second challenge for all of us this morning is that if you've come to a point in your life where you're beginning to feel like it's a hopeless situation, surrender that to the Lord and renew your commitment to him to live a life that is faithful, that is holy, and that is blameless. And the Lord will accomplish his plan and purpose for your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for just a great reminder, Lord God, that you, you are God who remembers, not just remembered Noah, but you are God, Lord, who remembers and keeps your promises to us. You are faithful, Lord. You are trustworthy, Lord. And sometimes we are tempted to put our trust in earthly things and even begin to feel doubts in our hearts. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you will renew afresh our sense of hope, our sense of optimism about the future, Lord God. And so, Father, I pray that you'll continue to work in our hearts tonight. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.